Hi and welcome to yet another episode of my first ever season of Making Podcasts. And on this one we will be picking up right where we left off with my experiences with food in Europe. If you don't already know from the first part, I'm not an expert on food. I'm not much of an explorer and I'm most certainly vegetarian for the most part, I think. Well, which doesn't leave much of an opportunity for food exploration when in Europe. Well, anyway, I had stopped my last episode in Copenhagen, Denmark, where my friend, her husband and myself were at a coffee shop and we had just discovered the Kui Aman. Okay, so the Kui Aman is one of the greatest discoveries of my life. So I'm going to jump right in and tell you what it tastes like. I remember my friend, who's actually very expressive in her own usual tactful way, especially in Tamil. So she described it as Neila Uravich air fry panamadrirka. Yeah. That's actually quite an accurate description, but I'll try and top it off. So if the croissant is to jalebi, the kuyaman is to jangri. That's funny. But I'm gonna let you imagine that. Okay. So yeah, uh, like the croissant, the kuyaman is a is a cousin, like how the jangri is sort of a cousin to the jalebi. So happy imagining that. Uh, anyway, so let's take off from there and move to this street where my friend's hubby saw an Indian restaurant and stopped. He walked right in, clearly deciding that that's where our dinner was to be. So at the start of my travels, I was like, come on, we're in Europe. We should try things European and all that. But by the time I reached Copenhagen, which is like 15 days into traveling in Europe, I was dying for Indian food. So I just followed him straight away. As we dug into some naan and butter chicken and some dum biryani, I got to know that my friend's husband had an intriguing practice. He had traveled quite a bit and wherever he went, if there was anything Indian from a restaurant to a neighborhood to a small shop, he would make sure that he explored it completely. And I think that's a really cool thing to do. I mean, I know from where, from here, it seems like why would you go to Paris and find anything Indian there when you have so much to explore? I think, and I tell you from that, I tell that from experience, you do get to know quite a bit when you explore the Indian part of a town. Okay. So anyway, that was Copenhagen, some good Kuyaman and Indian food. And we move straight on to Sweden. So Sweden, yeah. Sweden in a small town called Lund. That's where my friend lives. She did her master's there and is now working as an architect. After a night of Indian food and a long night of good sleep, I woke up to a lazy morning and expected some amazing cereal from my friend's kitchen. But then my friend, she shocked me. In a steel round plate was some hot puliyogare or pulisadam. I would have cringed any other day, but hey, I was craving Indian food and what better an experience than hot, spicy pulisadam with broken groundnuts served on a steel plate, steel round shining plate. And sitting in a balcony with your friend and having it with a view of maple and birch trees. That's like a slow indie Hollywood movie with an Indian delicacy. You're sitting there looking at birch trees, maple trees, and it looks like such a scenic Scandinavian portrait or landscape. And instead you're having puliogare or pulisadam in your hands. Okay. So after that, my friend handed me a cycle, got on one herself and said, follow me. And I did. And we went exploring her town that was so rich in, is so rich in Swedish history and, it, and yet expansive to be called a town. 
and most importantly she took me to the town's marketplace and that was a world in itself every color in the palette every meat in the world and most importantly varieties and varieties of breads and baked food yes and don't forget you can taste everything there everything i wish was let's say too too shy and embarrassed to do it but with some coaxing i did try some and god the bread and the butter ostentatiously beautiful for such a little piece of bread i mean how can bread be so good here we have normal sandwich bread wheat bread and these days you have multigrain bread and all that but there you can't even describe what the bread is made of or what how it was baked nothing so yeah i consider it this way you know how medu vada can be great in a small tea shop as well as a posh place anywhere in tamil nadu that's how bread is to these people unbelievably amazing no matter where you get it from and i mean bread how can bread be so full of character and texture and what not anyway so the little uh, crumb or let's say half a square inch of bread piece that i had with the little bit of water was so amazing that i couldn't understand it for some time it's like it's so beautiful okay with that then my friend insisted that we dine somewhere but i was more into seeing the town because i was just there for a day so we just grabbed things from the supermarket and sat down to discuss architecture after some more exploring we went back and quite contrary to the morning police alarm my friend whipped up some baked potatoes and chicken and that was that yeah so that was sweden so from there i got back to paris to meet my friend who had hosted me just weeks before and on that very night of my arrival we were both starved and we went looking for something to eat and guess what we found no surprise we found pizza i think dosa is to us as pizza is to them because that pizza we had at a random place which looked like a dump was so delicious and hanging out my with my friend who had hosted me in paris who was leaving for india the next day so since my friend was leaving for india he had put me up at an airbnb which was a beautiful place i will have to do an episode just about the place that i stayed in paris for like 3 days and yeah i will tell you about it someday anyway so it was a night well spent whiling away time from the terrace of a parisian house eating pizza and looking at the night go down so that was poetic anyway so my friend had to leave the next day depressing as that was i was in paris and i had so much to do i had to visit the louvre museum the eiffel tower and so many other architecturally relevant relevant important places but here is where i discovered two amazing things one being supermarkets and the other being muniandi villas so by now i had realized that supermarkets were amazing and i could live off them and also economically so so day one i go straight into a supermarket called lidl and you sure would have guessed i found the famous french kuyaman the guy at the coffee shop in denmark told me that the kuyaman is from france so i made sure that when i come back i will find it and i did so besides that i also got the amazingly famous croissant so what is special about the croissant you might ask the croissant is just a puff based baked good but the best part about getting a croissant in paris or france for that matter means the butter that the croissant was used to make was actually made from normandy butter okay that's normandy is the place france and the butter is very much specially from that place 
that's what makes these croissants special so yeah simple as it might be it is one of the most treasured uh, food products of paris so yeah supermarkets supermarkets are like a universe in themselves i couldn't understand most of the stuff they had but i noticed a lot of options of food that could be microwaved and of course the bake section have i told you about the bake section i did but i'm going to tell you about it again so i got myself enough worth a picnic basket to last me a day and i went off on my adventures and this is what i mostly did at the start of each day that i had left in paris go to the supermarket look for the hot break products bag them and have them whenever and wherever so in europe you could sit and eat anywhere wherever and people would not even blink twice the bus the train the benches on the road the sidewalk while you're walking you're not you're, you're never going to be judged for sitting and eating whatever you're eating in however the manner that you're eating it doesn't matter okay so that's like really very freeing with respect to food in europe you can just get something sit down and eat okay so that was supermarkets the second one obviously muniandi villas another small planet in paris itself where a lot was always happening so i realized that it was very economical more suited to my palate and i still got a lot of experiences like wine tasting with the able guidance of a parisian gentleman who dined regularly at muniandi villas that was something to treasure so i've talked a lot about muniandi villas so let me tell you about something i haven't told anyone like not really at all i would like to tell you about the chutneys in muniandi villas so you know how a chutney tastes i'm guessing so now the chutney in muniandi villas paris was different my friend hated it but i love it i can still remember the taste almost so back home here chutney is always made with fresh ground coconut but i don't think that works in paris so the chutney is made from ground and processed coconut kernels at least that's what i think it is so the chutney tastes like what it tastes here but the texture is that of a coconut burfi that we find here locally a strange kind of bliss the taste of a proper chutney you know with all the pulip and all that but the texture of a coconut burfi no uh, that's really a strange kind of taste but it was blissful and i'm going to leave that taste to your imagination okay so that was muniandi villas next i come to the final part of the paris journey and the most important ever of this whole episode on food really the boulangerie i've told you about how the boulangerie is simply a bakery but in reality it's a heaven a slice of heaven that's present all over paris and other cities too but the sad part was i got to know of them only in the last two days of my stay in paris but i'm glad i at least then did that so i was able to experience the boulangerie at best on the day i decided i would try and do what the parisians do so what do the parisians do people of paris so the definition of a good day or holiday for a person in paris meant they buy some food take it to any place preferably green and just while time after days and days of traveling and exploring and keeping up with my unreal schedule of visiting places and experiencing them i told myself one day i won't take the camera with me i won't have an agenda i'll just do what the parisians do so yes that's what i did on one of my final days in paris 
So I walk into a boulangerie near where I was staying and you see colors and colors and varieties and varieties of breads, cakes, cheese, desserts, croissants, puffs, and the crown jewel, macaroons. God, they were heavenly. And I made sure I told the lady there and she was very happy with the expression on my face, even though she didn't understand a word of English. So I took more than 30 minutes and the lady was kind and patient while I picked out what I wanted and then finally set off to be a Parisian during my travels. So um, during my travels, I had scouted a few places. So I went, found them. Obviously, no one was there. I lay down and as the sun bathed over me, I unwound, relaxed after so many days of walking and walking and exploring. And in between this unwinding session, I slowly began taking breaks to enjoy my little treats from the boulangerie. Okay. I will tell you about three or four of them, which were really special. The, the croissant I've already told you about. So the first one, what seemed like flakes of corn dipped in chocolate and made into a cookie. Like, how do you, how do you come up with these things? I don't know. So anyway, that was my first treat. The next one, after some more time of relaxing, was a coffee-flavored cake with tiramisu cream. And finally, I couldn't wait anymore. I thought I'll do it at the end. But I was tempted and I bit into a chocolate-colored macaron. And I stopped right there. Years ago, my friend in Chennai once was telling me about macarons and how she wanted to start a place in Chennai for macarons and how macarons were special when they were from Paris, especially. And I was like, what's so great about macarons? And then at that moment, I realized, and if possible, I would have traveled back in time and taken back my words. That's how amazing a macaron in Paris was. A macaron in Paris is special. I don't think it's going to be the same anywhere else in the world. So if you ever see a macaron anywhere and it's not in Paris, don't buy it. I mean, wait till you get to Paris and then get it. It's worth the hype every bit. And for me personally, it was a melting moment. I just bit into heaven. So yeah, I could really remember where I was. I mean, I couldn't remember where I was or what I was doing. I just let the taste take me wherever. It really is, was poetry. Right, so I want to tell you more about the boulangerie and, you know, things that I had there, but I don't think I should because it's unfair considering none of us can get to Paris anytime soon. So I'll tell you this instead. I bought 20 macarons and I had it for the next three days, spaced well in between the day, so I could have the best experience. But I noticed that it was good only when it was fresh. So the day I bought it, it was amazing. The next day, it was a little less amazing, but amazing nevertheless. And so with each passing day, it lost its beauty. And that's why. Wait till you get to Paris and enjoy it the very same day. Yep. So from there, we move on. So after I left Paris, I had two more cities to visit. Berlin in Germany and Prague in Czechoslovakia. In between this, I had to make a stop in a small town where I could leave my luggage. And here in this small, insignificant town called Hildesheim, lay the greatest surprise in my travel journeys. So I had told you about the amazing pizza I had in Italy in the previous episode, the place of its origin rather. But then I have to tell you about the pizza I had in Hildesheim. So I had a bus to take the next day and I had a day and a half to while off. So when I was hungry, uh, I, I got to strolling around and was able to find a restaurant. 
and guess what it was it was an italian restaurant so i ordered pizza obviously and took it back and while i didn't pay much attention to it when i started eating it i suddenly realized the pizza was so rich in texture and crunchy and so full of flavor as well i mean so much so that in less than 3 slices i declared that it was the best pizza i had ever had yes including in comparison to the one in italy so i went again the next day ordered the same pizza got talking to the guy there and he said they were from italy and his mother was the one who makes the pizza and she didn't understand english and i had to tell her how good it was so i told the son to tell his mom that this was the best pizza i had ever tasted and i had and it had and i had just come from italy quite recently so she took a moment to realize what i said and then a smile broke through her face and she blew me a kiss in appreciation i was so happy on the way it got me thinking people everywhere respond quite the same way to emotions imagine if in india i had told the vada sutra party that vada was amazing she would have probably reacted the same way but in a rather shy way so an unforgettable experience indeed in such a forgettable small town so yeah after all this my experiences in the next two cities are more or less on a downward graph because they wouldn't be able to match up to all the experiences i've talked about previously so i found myself in prague the next few days and two things surprised me one was the reaction to my skin color which was almost appalling and second i came to know that a good number of population in prague were gujaratis from india yeah the former you know the reaction to my skin color was mitigated simply by the beauty of the city itself the city was so beautiful it felt like you were walking into disneyland so i forgot about the reaction of the people and forget the city and amidst all of them was an amazingly poetic and rather old world cafe it was called the cafe louvre and walking into cafe louvre felt like a little like walking into the 1950s and 60s of post war europe which we get to see in movies and period pieces and the architecture was all intact and enhanced uh, to the best of the ability so i sat there and ordered a chocolate cake and some coffee bad choices but uh, the chocolate cake was as good as a cake from a local bakery in chennai but the cream i got with it was sent straight from heaven it didn't come from the kitchen someone probably uh, served me a plate from heaven itself cuz that's how good cream was i mean how can something so simple as cream be very delicious that you have your whole perspective towards cream changed but yeah the image of my table near the window the beautiful chocolate cake can never be forgotten a memory that was made and besides that i was also feeling a little alpam and i decided i have to get some north indian food because there are gujaratis in town and after guidance from my hostel staff who was a really young indian kid who was doing his part time work at the hostel i was staying so after listening to him i went to a so called indian restaurant lumbini it was called so i got to know it was run by a nepali and it was buffet and i went to open the lids of the containers of of the food that was placed on the tables to see rice dal potato vegetable gravy in prague and i could have jumped in joy but i didn't i contained myself and i ate through and while i was eating course after course after course after course i noticed something the nepali guy wasn't really happy with me at all 
I couldn't understand why he was not so happy or disappointed or didn't look pleased with me. I was having good food. I was eating well. It meant that his food was good. But I think he was used to the Europeans. The Europeans somehow didn't get the idea of an all-you-can-have buffet. But me, I'm a pro. On top of that, I'm a wedding photographer. I've learned to do this more than a hundred times easily now. So I can just breeze through a really crowded buffet, get what I want, sit down and eat and act like no one was around me. And unfortunately, this guy wasn't prepared for me. So he was very disappointed at how much I could eat and come back for more and more. While the Europeans in the other table just sat down with a small portion of the Indian food and kept talking over it. But anyway, I didn't care. I, I had seen Indian food after such a long time. But actually, I was the one who should have been unhappy because the potato that they served had begun to go ripe. So that was not great Indian food, but I had no choice. So I was the one who should have been unhappy. Anyway, that was Prague. Uh, a little memorable, mostly unforgettable. I mean, mostly forgettable. And then we come to Berlin. In Berlin, I was almost always mostly moving. This this city is extremely beautiful. Uh, you have to be there. It's it has two worlds in in itself. It has one war wrecked part of the world, and the other that resulted from the times the Romans occupied it. So there's so much Roman architecture and there's also a lot of damage to buildings and they're always constructing something. So that's Berlin. So there were so many little takeaway joints everywhere. Kebabs and rolls were so famous, but they also seemed so full of meat and I couldn't go near them. And after some searching, I found my own joint. It was a Vietnamese place and they served rice and something called a sevia, rice noodles. I guess somehow the name rings a bell with the semia that we get here. And I was happy. Rice noodles soaked in coconut milk with dressed vegetables. And even though I was nowhere near Asia, I was very happy because for the next three days, my staple diet in Berlin was Sevia. And I also visited the Ritter Sport Museum. So if you know anything about chocolates, Germany, there, is, there are two brands which have made their way up till almost every supermarket down to local towns in Tamil Nadu. One of them is called the Lint chocolate. The other is the Rittersport. So you're either a Rittersport fan or you're a Lint fan. You're like a Rajnikan fan or you're, an, you're a Kamal fan. So it was something like that. And I was a Rittersport fan. So I visited the Rittersport Museum. And the famous German chocolate makers had a small museum in the city of Berlin, just full of chocolates, full and full of chocolates. It was like a supermarket just for chocolates. So I purchased my fill and I walked up to the first floor where they had their cafe. And after a longing look at all the desserts and cakes they had, I decided on my pick and sat down to be served. The guy looked at me and he was a little concerned. Then he came up to me and asked for my order, after which he asked me if I would be okay with having food that had animal gelatin in it. And I was shocked. I said no. He then told me almost everything there was made with animal gelatin. So I did. I couldn't have anything. So much for my 30-minute long decision on choosing the menu. And between these two experiences, I did have an instance with a burrito, or a, I don't know how to say it, in a really nice place. This place was famous in all the food review apps and all that. And I said I was going to have a burrito. 
and it was actually a disaster i don't know how people can eat this thing which is so packed with stuffing and just wrapped by some thin layered dough or whatever so i took one bite and it all spilled over so before anyone could look i just ate as much as i could with my bare hands and i just ran out of the place so that wasn't really a great experience but yeah with that my extensive report on food in europe comes to an end in the last day though i went a little crazy with shopping and besides a lot of cereal i got myself a bottle of wine and a few days later i was woken up from my bed in my deep sleep by my mother she's like wake up you're not in germany anymore with that we come to the end of two long episodes on europe and its food thanks for listening